Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Numbers. Hello there, lovely faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. And we are in a new chapter today, Numbers 32. And just to let you guys know, next week on Friday, so a week from now exactly, we're going to be finishing up. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Two, two Fridays from now, we're going to be finishing up the book of Numbers and moving in to the book of Deuteronomy. So yes, this is something we can look forward to very soon, is just moving into season five of the podcast and into another book of the Bible. And by the way, a very difficult book of the Bible. Both Leviticus and Deuteronomy are quite difficult. I would say they're up there with the books of First and Second Chronicles and Judges. So yeah, I mean, we're getting through some of the most difficult books pretty early on, which is kind of cool. They're The books that set the stage, even though they are a little bit more difficult, they set the stage for what the Bible really is, because when you when God lays those foundational laws down very quickly, he's basically showing a in Genesis how the world went wrong and then b how it could be fixed was through the laws. And then the rest of the Old Testament is going to be talking about how, yes, the laws were good, but because people are so corrupt They can't keep the laws, which is where Jesus comes into the picture. But anyway, let's go ahead and move forward to Numbers 32, verses 1 through 15 today. And I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. version of the Bible, which I chose this version of the Bible to anybody who is new on the podcast because it is a public domain version that is easier to understand than the KJV because the KJV is also public domain. But the World English Bible or the W.E.B. is a little bit more modern. So, yes, I love the W.E.B. version, but no matter what version you choose to read out of, I am fine with that. I do not uh, personally push one specific version of the Bible uh, as the only true Bible, as long as I might get myself in trouble for saying that as long as it is God's word. There are many Bibles out there that have a lot of man-made crap in them that you need to watch out for. The Lighthouse edition of the Bible or any other uh, version of the Bible that has had stuff added to it over time, not consistent with the original text. That's what it comes down to, is the original text, how accurate it is according to that. That is what I have to say about versions of the Bible. Like I said, I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version of the Bible. So grab your cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and stay tuned as we read God's word. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. They saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead. Behold, the place was a place for livestock. Then the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the princes of the congregation, saying, Atarath, Debon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliela, Eliela, Sabam, Nabo, and Baon, the land which Yahweh struck before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. They said, 
If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for a possession. Don't bring us over to the Jordan. Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? Why do you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which Yahweh has given them? Your fathers did so when they sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshkol, they saw the land. They discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which Yahweh had given them. Yahweh's anger burned in that day, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from out of Egypt, from twenty years old and upward, shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, because they have followed Yahweh completely. Yahweh's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander back and forth in the wilderness for 40 years, until all the generation who had done evil in Yahweh's sight was consumed. Behold, you have risen up in your father's place an increase of sinful men to increase the fierce anger of Yahweh towards Israel. For if you turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. Oof, that is... uh. Some talking to Moses gave these men, isn't it? He was definitely not pulling his punches on this one. He's basically telling these guys, he's like, you are all sinful. Like, why are you coming here? What is your point? What are you doing? So in verse one through five, here's the story. It says here that the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad had tons of livestock. A very great multitude of livestock is what it says. So we don't know what that means specifically when it comes to quantity of livestock, but we know that that's a lot of livestock. And on top of that, they must have gained more from the war that they just went into with the Midianites when they brought back so much livestock. I'm going to guess they had a lot of livestock to begin with. And then after that war, even accumulated so much more. So specifically, Reuben and Gad were shepherds, it sounds like, the, the two tribes, because they had so much livestock. And livestock was very important because livestock would feed people. A, it would give them uh, produce like wool and milk and whatever else. And then on top of that, it also uh, helped the temple with the daily sacrifices. So livestock was very important back in these days. But that aside... Reuben and Gad had what it sounds like the most livestock of everybody, probably thousands and thousands and thousands of different uh, animals that possibly they didn't have a lot of room for in the wilderness. But yet that kind of shows God's provision there because the fact that in the wilderness where there's not a lot, like when you think of a wilderness, you think of, at least I think of like a desert kind of land with not a ton of grass. And of course, cattle needs grass to live or hay or something. They need something to eat. But that kind of shows God's provision that even though they were in a wilderness with maybe not a lot of stuff, God was still protecting them so much that their cattle was able to survive in that kind of environment. So... Anyway, what ends up happening is that after Israel comes back from different wars that they have been a part of, the tribes of Reuben and the tribes of Gad see that the land that they were able to take in these wars was good land, and it was good for their livestock to go and graze there. That's what it says. It says, 
behold, the place was a place for livestock, these different areas, this uh, land of Gilead and the land of Jazer. These men see how good this land is that they took in these battles that they're like, you know what? This is fine for our livestock. Why don't we just ask Moses and Eliezer the priest if we can just take this land and not go into the promised land? So you can see the problem that's beginning to happen here. Because the land that was not a part of the promised land, but almost on the like edge, on the border, it's not going to be as good as what's in the promised land because God was going to give this great gift of a land flowing with milk and honey to his children. So what it sounds like to me is Reuben and Gad are willing to settle for less so that they didn't have to go in to the promised land. So some of the elders or the princes of Reuben and of Gad appear before Moses and the elders and the high priest. And they say, they're just like, hey, you know what? We're happy with this land that we already took over here. It looks good. It's probably going to be great for our livestock. So we don't want to go into the promised land. Just leave us two tribes here. You guys can go into the promised land. You guys can take it and we'll be happy settling here. Sounds kind of lazy to me. I'll be honest. Sounds very lazy. And also sounds similar to what their fathers did many years before this. So Moses thinks the exact same thing and he gets angry. He gets angry or scared potentially that the tribes of Reuben and Gad are unwilling to go into the promised land for the same reasons that their parents were unwilling to go into the promised land. And we know how good the promised land was because when their parents, you remember the generation that died because uh, they refused to go into the promised land, the the entire uh, parental generation ended up perishing in the wilderness because that's really ultimately what they wanted. They didn't want to go fight in the promised land. They were cowards, they were scared. But we know how good the promised land was because when they sent the spies into the land initially, 40 years prior to this, they brought back some goods from the land. And one of the things they brought back was actually this uh, pole with a cluster of grapes that was so big that two men had to carry this pole filled with a giant grape cluster. That is how good this land was, that it was producing like super heavy amounts of grapes just in one little cluster. Like that's insane to me. So we know the land was very good. And obviously the people were well fed <laughs> because there were giants living in the land. And so, uh, yeah, the the entire generation became afraid because even though the land was so good and so beautiful and perfect for the taking, the people who lived in it were giants and they didn't want to go in. So Moses begins to now, in Numbers 32, 40 years after all of that debacle happened, he begins to lecture these men, these princes that come forward to ask for lesser land. And he's basically like, no, like, how can you possibly think that you're going to stay here and allow your brothers to go into war 
while you lazily stay on the uh, border of the promised land. Like you're not going to do that, basically, is what Moses says. He says, why do you discourage the hearts of the children of Israel from going over into the land which Yahweh has given them? Like, what are you thinking? Why are you discouraging everybody by saying this land over here is good enough? And so then he goes on to say, he says, your fathers did the exact same thing and they ended up dying in the wilderness because they were rebellious towards God. They didn't trust in God. They didn't believe in God. And so God ended up giving them exactly what they asked for, dying in the wilderness because they asked to die in the wilderness. They said, we'd rather die here in the wilderness than have to die at the hands of these giants. And God's like, okay, you can die in the wilderness. And that's what ended up happening. And Moses explains the whole story to them once again, because Moses was there. He remembers. He remembers how history played out. Moses is a very wise guy at this point that uh, remembers probably a lot, remembers God's provision, remembers God's anger, and knows what's going to make God angry at this point. And these guys here coming forward, these uh, princes from Reuben and Gad, they're definitely toeing the line of making God angry, I'm sure, because of what they're asking for and their possible distrust in God. So Moses is like, don't repeat history. Don't do what your parents did because God will repeat the punishment to this generation like he did with your parents' generation. And so he reminds them, don't do this. So then in verse 14 and 15, he says, behold, you have risen up your father's place and increase of sinful men. So in other words, he's saying you sinful men are going to ignite Yahweh's anger against not just you, but the entire congregation. And what you're asking for is going to destroy all these people. And that's what Moses leaves them with. So we'll see what happens on Monday. Are these men going to respond to what Moses says with something good? Or are they going to repeat what happened to their parents, distrust God, and make everybody scared once again? So we're going to see what happens and how these princes respond to Moses's argument against them, because they really have two choices here. They can either trust God and God's provision for them, or they can choose to follow the way of their parents. In scripture, it talks a lot about the sins of the fathers and how we need to be careful not to ever repeat their sins. God also ends up punishing the children of sinful men if the children end up repeating the same exact things that their fathers and mothers did. So it's important as we grow up to become wise Christians, <laughs> wise Christian adults, that we recognize the patterns of behavior of our parents and do our best to break them. One of the things I've been seeing a lot, and actually I talked to my friend who is a um, social worker and counselor about this recently, is the pattern of, um, or the cycle of, I can't remember the name of it, but the pattern of the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> That's my own uh, term for it. But basically, children end up doing the same things their parents did because it's normal for them they don't see it as abnormal and then their children end up doing the same thing and their children. And so it's hard to break that cycle. And that's why it's important for us to arm ourselves with truth and not to look at our parents as 
higher than God, I suppose, and something to emulate if they are doing something contrary to God's word. So, yes, I do believe that we should honor our parents, but it is important to recognize their flaws and where they have gone wrong over the years and to make sure that we also don't emulate those those things, which is very hard to do because they're our parents. It, it is very hard to do. But it is something to think about moving forward. And it is good to recognize that so that we don't fall into the same patterns ourselves. Like these men here may or may not end up doing when we come back to this on Monday. Well, guys, thanks for tuning into this episode. And I hope that you enjoyed it to all the faithful listeners out there. But you know what? I'm going to just let you guys go because I've got nothing else to say, really. And (laughs) I just want you all to enjoy your Friday afternoon and your weekend. So go have fun and I'll see you guys back on Monday to finish out this story. Happy listening and God bless.